0: He produced a film with the title Seal Island. And since it was a true story, he decided to call it a true life adventure. It won an Academy Award. And with that, Walt was off into a whole new domain, the world of nature.
1: back to disney marvels for a week of december 1st 2019 this is episode 65 disney marvels the show about disney marvel lucasfilm muppets pixar fox the parks and much much more if it has to do with disney it's fair game i'm your host matthew gregan whether you're planning your next disney park vacation cruise vacation or you just don't know where to start do what i do contact my friends at destinations with character travel the official travel partner of the disney marvel podcast email them now at info at com, or visit their website at www.destinationswithcharacter.com and be sure to tell them that the disney marvels podcast sent you for a special gift stay tuned to after the show to find out exactly the detail what kind of gift you can get and get all that information again now for the news mickey and minnie's runaway railway the first ride through attraction with mickey and minnie mouse will open at disney hollywood studios on march 4th 2020 Summer of 2020, also discover what Chef Remy is cooking up at Epcot's France Pavilion at uh, Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Disney will be producing a new DuckTales World Showcase adventure coming to Epcot, I just said that, where you go in search of priceless treasure with Scrooge McDuck, Donald, Launchpad, Webby, and of course Huey, Dewey, and Louie with the help of the Play Disney Parks mobile app. There will be three new videos coming to Epcot. The three new movies. Awesome Planet, this 10-minute film showcase uh, showcases our planet's beauty and diversity and features stunning imagery in theater effects and an original score from Oscar award-winning composer Steve Price. You can see Awesome Planet in the, li- the Land Pavilion. Beauty and the Beast Sing-Along. The Don Han produced producer of the animated and live action Beauty and the Beast directed and produced this film which presents a brand new twist on the tale as old as time as guests are invited to sing along. Angela Lansbury who voiced Mrs. Potts in the original animated film narrates the film which will run in rotation in the France pavilion with Impressions de France which uh, receives a 4K projection upgrade. Canada Far and Wide, Circle Vision 360. Over in the Canada Pavilion, the O Canada film gets an exciting update with new scenes, a new musical score by Canadian composer Andrew Lockington and new narration by award-winning actor Catherine O'Hare and Eugene Levy. Space 220 Restaurant will debut this winter. No specific date is set This at this time. It is the restaurant that will be located next to Mission Space. And In, two twi- in 2020, guests will say howdy in the new immersive restaurant that's coming to Toy Story Land at Disney's Hollywood Studio. Roundup Rodeo Barbecue Restaurant invites entire families into the Rootin' Tune Rodeo experience right in Andy's backyard. For more information go to disneyworld.com. We'll be back after these short messages. And now, on with the show. So this week, as I think I've mentioned before, as an adoptive father, I've, adoption's always been something on the forefront of my mind. And knowing that one of my heroes in life, Walt Disney, was an adoptive father, there was something I that was something I always wanted to find out more. But when he did, you didn't really talk about adoption. It, it was kind of like the dirty subject. But I figured there was one man, if he one person I could turn to, that would be able to find out the information I need to know I could reach out to this person and that was the one the only the man himself Jim Hill Jim how are you doing today
0: I'm I'm I'm, I'm doing great but let's be honest the, the only reason I'm on here now is you couldn't get Jim Corcus, could you <laughs> you know so I yeah. reached out to him but for some reason the line was constantly busy no. Oh, there you go. Okay, you know that that's across the street from every McDonald's. There's a Burger King, but that's okay. So, no. um, anyway, no, no, thanks for the invitation, and 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 certainly again, you know, uh, you you picked a, a fascinating topic that that again a lot of Disney, uh, you know, history books or that sort of thing, they sort of skate around, but I, I think you nailed it. You know that, that you got to remember that adoption especially back in the 1930s, um, was for some reason something you really didn't talk about. Um, You know, in fact, this very weird situation, the the parents who, who, you know, the people who decided to do this, to, you know, give a kind and loving home, you know, to a very fortunate child, um, you know, the the, the emphasis back then was kind of placed in the fact that, well, you had to do this because you couldn't conceive a child on your own. And it was just sort of like, you're you're really not getting the you know the important part here that 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 these people you know have have opened their hearts and and their homes and done this Mm -hmm. amazingly generous thing and you know thank goodness now into the 2019 the thinking is kind of turned around
1: Uh, for the most part i mean there's still that that stereotype that unfortunately falls along i mean they're well we won't mention the the country bear movie um Mm -hmm. but i mean even in um thor they they do poke a little joke at it but Mm -hmm. um actually no avengers it was Mm -hmm. in in the avenger movie um but uh it it, the eyes have been open to it Mm -hmm. um and as they should be you know
0: again you know that that You know, it's (laughs) again, this is this incredibly kind, generous thing. Uh, And more to the point, you know, that, 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 you know, the love they put out there and the kindness they put out there is
1: returned tenfold through these amazing kids. So absolutely. And um, like I said, it's a story that I've always wanted to find out a little more about. And as we were both doing our research, I think we found out a little more than we wanted to yeah uh, i mean it's yeah, uh, everyone I mean, always knows about diane mm-hmm. it, diane did this and she she started the the family museum her husband ran the company for a while until that turned ugly but they were very proactive in the company and sharon even though she was half the inspiration to disneyland and mm-hmm. half the inspiration to most of Walt's earlier work mm-hmm. kind of disappeared um and through history, the Disney history, I, I feel. Oh, and, and there's an interesting reason for that. Uh, Walt
0: himself, uh, in fact, you know, it, 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 forgive me. Again, this story takes some dark turns. Uh, but to, in order to understand why Walt did what he did with his kids, you have to understand that in uh, March of 1932, Charles Lindbergh Jr., was kidnapped out of the uh, the Lindbergh family home. This was March of 1932. Uh, you know, some awful people actually got him into the second story nursery, kidnapped this child. There were several uh, attempts at ransom, and eventually, oh, in May of that same year, uh, the body of this this little boy was found uh, just four and a half miles away from the house. You know that that. And, you know, for somebody like Walt, who was this, you know, you know, face it, this is, you know, 1933 is the year Three Little Pigs. I mean, Snow White is on the horizon. But, you know, at the same time, you know, Walt's in the newsreels and, you know, you know, that sort of thing. His his worry was that, you know, if I put my kids in the front window, what to, you know, you know, and put them in the spotlight. What's to prevent them from you know, suffering the fate of, of Charles Lindbergh Jr.? So he was very, very, you know, protective of his girls. Um, and, you know, that, and the interesting thing is, you know, I mean, he literally drove them to school himself every morning. He dropped them off and then, uh, you know, head over to the studio. Uh, you know, he, he kept them out of the newsreels. He kept them out of the paper. In fact, the girls really don't start showing up Uh, I want to say the 1952 television special uh, One Night in Wonderland that sort of kicked off the whole Disney getting in the television thing. Yeah, that was really one of the first times you actually got to see the girls. Uh, But he just, you know, in fact, that's there's the famous story about, you know, Diane had no idea what her dad did until one day she was at school. And you know, you know, your dad's Walt Disney, and she came home furious. It's like, you
1: know, tell me the truth. Are you Walt Disney? Like, I, I remember well. hearing that story about her that yeah. she really did. Yeah, it's like the person, your dad's Walt Disney. Well, yeah, yeah, he, he is, not being able to connect what they were trying to get to. Yeah,
0: yeah but but anyway, to, to, to get back to the actual adoption story, you, you have to sort of Understand that you know Walt came from a biggish family. He had three brothers, Roy, Raymond, and Herbert, and one sister, Ruth. Whereas his wife, Lily, came from a huge family. She was the youngest of ten kids, um, and and also got kind of a tough life. You know that her dad died when she was just seventeen, and uh, you know that, that she and her mom actually moved together to Southern California to try to have a better life for themselves and. Uh, you know, and then she ends up as, you know, the secretary in charge of the ink and paid department and at a studio where Walt's working and, you know, sparks fly. And uh, you know, so by July of uh, 1925, they marry and the plan was given, you know, both their family histories, they wanted to have a lot of kids. Yeah. Um,
1: I know Walt you know, believed in a big family. He, he, he loved did. the idea of a, a large, large family.
0: And, you know, the irony is that he eventually got it. I mean, Diane had seven kids. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and, and Sharon would go on to have three of her own. Uh, one of them, again, appropriately enough, adopted. Um, and, and, in fact, there's that, that famous cruise uh, that they took the last summer uh, that Walt was alive, 1966. Uh, okay. We, I want to say it was up in Canada or thereabouts, but they had the whole family on this this giant boat that that Walt had rented, and you know he just he just loved being surrounded by all these small kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, but 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 here's the thing, you know you know that's that's not what happened with Walt and Lily. They 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 had trouble conceiving. In fact, uh, not to tell tales out of school here, but. Lily had a devastating series of miscarriages, uh, before, uh, Diane Marie Disney finally came along in December of 33. Uh, and it had been kind of a horrific pregnancy. I mean, she'd been given what had happened previously with all the miscarriages. Lillian was was horribly stressed out for the nine months she was carrying Diane. She, She was in this constant state of fear that, she wouldn't be able to carry this baby to full term, but understandable, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but Diane arrives, Hale and Hardy again in December of '33, and and Walt and Lily think that okay, their, their their dream of having a big family is now finally within their grasp. But then in in '34 and '35, Lily suffers another series of miscarriages, which is why at this point the Disney family doctor pulls the two of them aside and say, look, if you really want Diane. To have a little brother or a little sister, um, you should probably consider adoption. And, um, and that's eventually what, what Walt and Lily did. They, they, you know, they reached out through discreetly through the established channels and, you know, and just, you know, made, you know, uh, you know, those authorities, uh, you know, those that, that they were looking for a, a second child and, and then on December 21st, 1936, Sharon May is born. And two weeks afterwards, uh, Walt and Lidley adopt this beautiful, healthy little girl. Um, and, okay, so we talked about, you know, how he'd, um, you know, he kept them out of the spotlight. But face it, well, Walt Disney is your dad. You have a different life than, than other kids. Very um, different life. You know, I mean, you, you. this is a man who has resources that other people don't. Like, for example, I want to say it's Christmas of 1938. It's the year after uh, Snow White has been released and been become this monstrous hit. And uh, the, the, the Disney's are li- now living at Walking Way in a 12-room uh, French-style uh, home. And Walt decides that his little girl should have a playhouse in the background. But again, this is Walt Disney, who has a studio full of craftsmen uh, who make this wonderful snow white like cottage with leaded windows and a running sink and a telephone that links back to the house, um, you know, to the kitchen so they can call in for milk and cookies uh, and he has the craftsman make it and not only make it, but when the girls go to bed on Christmas Eve, the craftsmen carry it into the back bar- backyard, finish building it. And when the girls wake up, this house has appeared overnight. Oh. Uh, um, this-
1: I, I have trouble sometimes just putting together a train table for my kids just <laughs> overnight. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, it, if it's any consolation, uh,
0: Lily, Lillian Disney, who had uh, you know, uh, people uh, don't really talk about, it, she had a wonderfully weird sense of humor, and what delighted her on Christmas Day wasn't the little girl's reactions to this amazing, fanciful storybook house that ap- appeared overnight in their backyard. It was that after they inspected it, they immediately pivoted to the empty boxes that all of the presents had came in, and began playing with those as if they were a train. <laughs> and here's Walt standing in the backyard with the thing that he'd spent months trying to get built for his daughters, and they're playing with the cardboard boxes.
1: But kids are kids are kids. You know, it I just mean? goes to show you it doesn't matter how, what you how much you spend on those kids or whatever you you. Th- think you're getting them that's going to change their life they still want the box it's all it, about the no, box
0: it's exactly just you know that what can you do now um walt and diane oddly enough had kind of a a, a reference uh, relationship they were they were both willful and headstrong and in fact which which is what you mentioned at the top of the show uh, or the top of the segment kind of ironic given that diane ended up Launching the Walt Disney Family Museum to basically, per, you know, the, the, protect her dad's reputation. That there had been that awful Mark Elliott book, the the Dark Prince of Hollywood, and that was what sort of spurred her to, you know, you know my, you know my dad wasn't, you know, a communist. My dad, you know,
1: I mean that whole uh-huh. museum is about defending him. I think there was even a joke in one of the Simpsons episodes mm-hmm. saying uh, Walt Disney had the evil gene. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. And again, that's that's what kind of makes it interesting that they're on Disney Plus now. In fact, did you see they are actually that they've they've been compiling stats for the the first couple of weeks of of the subscription streaming services and the Simpsons are of of the things people are downloading and watching. The Simpsons are like going back and forth between two and three. Really? Yeah, no, it's people just can't get enough of The Simpsons and in, in Disney in the same place. It, it, it's such, it's the weirdest marriage. I mean. Yeah, it, but it, they are, you know, they, uh, the folks, that in fact, is, uh, can't really explain my sourcing here, but, but that was the interesting thing. When Disney was debating whether or not they should actually put in a bid on 20th Century Fox and its film library and television library, the subject of The Simpsons came up because they have, as you mentioned, sometimes it has been kind of hard on Disney. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Disney goes, okay, well, let's do a focus group and, you know, find out what people think in regard to The Simpsons and Disney. And the response that came back was that this is bizarre. They, 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 they People think of The Simpsons the same way they think of Disney, as in it's this this realized world with all of these very vivid characters. I mean, you know, the... Think about it. When you start naming characters in The Simpsons, you run out of fingers and toes because that's yeah. how deep the cast is, uh, and and there's so many places that we know vividly, you know, in, in much the same way, you know, that that we know Snow White's cottage, we also know the Quickie Mart yep. or Mo's Tavern, or you know, it, you know, and and can immediately conjure up what those look like, and it's like, and the focus, the people who are in charge of the focus of you don't get this. They, According to the people who we're interviewing, it's it's a perfect fit. It's like, well, of course, The Simpsons and Disney belong together, and again clearly, with the launch of, of uh, you know Disney Plus and the way, uh, you know, the people who are downloading 30 years of episodes, uh, yeah, it was it
1: was it was a great roll of the dice, and it worked out. Um, so let me get this straight. They they finish up with the episode of the Mandalorian, and then they head to the to Springfield.
0: I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you know, I, you, know that's, uh, you know in fact, that was one of the more interesting things about the first four and five days of the operation of Disney+. Plus. The, the main complaint that they were getting from folks after I'm having trouble accessing my account was I'm watching the first couple of seasons of The Simpsons and you guys, because you wanted to make it have the consistent look with the later episodes that are letterboxed, you're cropping the episodes Mm. in such a way that we're losing gags because there's, there's stuff in the upper part of the image that you cut for letterboxing. And Disney actually had to release a statement to the effect of, we are so sorry. We are working now by 2020. Uh, you know, the Simpsons episode, the early Simpsons episodes
1: will be fully restored and returned to their original framing. Someone's quickly hitting the, the, uh, Undo button on the the uh, computers, trying to put everything back. Undo, 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 undo. Some poor intern, you know, just yep. sort of hammering away there. So,
0: anyway, I, but, to get back to yeah. to Sharon and Walt, I mean, again, so Diane and, and and Walt have this headstrong relationship where where Sharon is Walt's buddy, you know, just it's you know that that uh, Walt actually loved to take daughter number two along with him on business trips and. Sharon loved to tell the story about oh, one trip they took in, in August of 1947 uh, that was, <laughs> I guess, especially memorable for Walt, if, if not her. That, that, so Sharon's 11 at this time, and she's, you know, school has ended in L.A. in June, and this is August. And Walt had hired these two wildlife photographers, Alfred and A- A- Elma Millet. Uh, I think I'm getting there name um, and, they, and had literally given them a hundred thousand dollars and, you know, th- th- said, go off for a year. There's this seal population on an island off the coast of Alaska and shoot all this footage, bring it back and let's see what we can do with it. And, of course, eventually this becomes Seal Island, the very first of the true life adventure movies. Uh, right. It also goes on to win an academy award in 1948 for the best live action short subject uh and again launched that whole series of you know uh, animal live action films which you know if we were being completely honest here is sort of where the path begins to disney's animal kingdom theme park right um, yes. it was, but it was yeah a long that's, road So anyway, it's, it's the summer in Alaska. It's one of the only times you you can actually get to this island and Walt wants to see what they're doing. And, you know, his daughter's out of school, you know, for a couple of weeks yet. So, Hey, let's go to Alaska. So, um, but the problem is like anybody else. Well, of course, you know, but but the only problem is where Alfred and Elma are shooting all of these, um, See the footage of the seals. It's on a a place, a a set of islands called the Pribilof Islands. Uh, It's off the shore. You can only get there by teeny tiny planes. Uh, In this case, a DC-3 Lincoln bird. And so, you know, they they get to Alaska, they board this plane, and, you know, they take off for the island uh, with a a Russell Haverite, uh, who's a colorful local character. Who also, you know, flies bush planes. Now, now, please note that I said colorful local character, not skilled pilot, <laughs> uh, because, well, you know, um, they take off and the, the weather immediately... It's Alaska, you it, know, the weather it's, yeah. gets miserable, um, and it's only supposed to be a 45 minute flight, and two hours in, they can't find the landing strip. Oh no. And and it is one of these things where, you know, Walt is keeping it together, but it's like the fuel
1: they're running out of fuel. All the calculations going off in his head about, okay, wait, this and that. And
0: yeah, and it's just and it's one of these things where and to give Sharon some credit, she knew her dad was stressed, but didn't know what because of course the adults aren't saying anything. Right, uh, they're just flying in circles, and so you know she, she's trying to calm him down by sort of smoothing his hair and rubbing his back and Aww. and it, and things like that. And so, um, a, a, you know, eventually they, you know, Walton and, and Russell sort of decide to roll the dice and they die. They literally dive down through the clouds, and there, just by sheer luck, is the airstrip, and they land. And you know, it, as they're deplaning. Walt gets on his knees and kisses the pavement. It's only then does Sharon realize that I think we might have been in trouble. Um, but but yeah, the, the, but because she was his buddy, uh, you know, rather than you know again you know battling with the other daughter, Walt. And and again, she was his youngest. He was that much more indulgent. So mm. uh, you know, for for like a minute and a half, she had a career as a model in her teens and then um, she wanted to try her hand at acting and you can actually see her in Walt Disney's 1957 release, Johnny Tremaine. She's in it you know, in kind of a blink and you'll miss her role as uh, the, 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 the servant girl Dorcas. Um, that's but that's uh, a by great the, name. It is. It's a great name. Uh, anyway, by 59, uh, rolls around. She's got the acting bug out of her system. She's 22 years old. Uh, and she she meets a man, uh, Robert Borgfeld Brown, who's an architect in L.A. Uh, they fall in love. And Walt signs off on the marriage so that they get married. I mean, again, she's just 22. Uh, but May 10th, 1959. And they are very happy for seven years ago. And, and as I mentioned, um, Sharon, by this point has been told, I, I mean, Walt and Lily, you know, weren't, uh, you know, particularly mysterious about her being adopted. They, you know, they were straightforward with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more to the point they, you know, they were clearly loving, caring people and it's like, she was their daughter who they just happened to adopt. And so, um, Sharon felt strongly enough about sort of playing it forward that, uh, she and her husband, Robert, uh, adopt a little girl, uh, Victoria. But this was in January of 1966. And then in the fall of that year, everything kind of goes to hell. Um, Robert, where the story really takes a turn. Yeah. I mean, Robert in the fall of 66 is diagnosed with lung cancer. And then, in that same window of time walt goes into the hospital for what he thinks is going to be the treatment of an old polo injury and mm. but while he's under the knife uh, you know the surgeons discover cancerous nodules and they remove most of his left lung yeah. and you know and but it, you know and again in much the same way as what we were talking about with how people handled adoption back in the '60s or excuse me the '30s, in the '60s when it came to cancer, you know, you know, it, this was really something you did, Matthew. You didn't tell the patient, but you told
1: his family. Yeah, because um, the and thinking sometimes was sometimes it still happens nowadays, but not Jeez, not to really? that extent. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. there's, I worked in a hospital for a spell, and I I know of a couple occasions where it was we won't tell the patient let's we will kind of inform everybody out but let's not tell the patient just yet holy cow because in walt's case they they pull
0: lillian and roy who you gotta remember roy was getting ready to retire at this point he being he, the
1: older brother yeah
0: yeah and he did they, 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 they you know they told the two of them that he's got six months to two years to live and the thing is that Walt didn't make it six weeks. I mean, no. he, he died December 15th, 1966. And Sharon's husband, Robert, he lasted eight months longer than that. He finally succumbed to lung cancer in September 14th, 1967. So, so picture that, you know, it, it, in one eight month span, Sharon loses her dad and her husband. She's got a little girl who's <laughs> barely 18 months old at this point. You know, and she's a 30-year-old widow, you know, who understandably has kind of lost yeah. her way. Um, I, I can't imagine <sighs> going through her. something like that. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and understandably, she she goes into mourning for a bit and, and turns to friends and family for comfort. And one of the family friends she turns to is William Lund. And it's understandable why she pivots to this because her, her dad thought the world of William Lund uh, he was uh when they were searching for the land for uh Disneyland back in 1953 um Buzz Buzz Price uh was the gentleman who actually you know ran him down you know the length of what would eventually be the five and found you know, those walnut groves and those orange trees that, that you know, eventually were the right place at the right price at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that's where Disneyland went. But one of the guys who he, you know, worked hand in hand with was William Lund. And so, which is why now it's 1963 and Walt's getting serious about doing something on the East coast and he turns to William and just go to Florida. And William's the guy who does a lot of the discreet inquiries, you know, around, uh, you know, Kissimmee and, you know, uh, you know, know, thereabouts looking for large chunks of land uh, that fit the formula that he and Buzz came up with back in 53. Uh, And the fact that, you know, you know, William could do this and be discreet and think on his feet, you know, I mean, you know, just, you know, again, won't love this guy. And so yeah. that was why, you know, when, uh, you know, when friends were sort of coming in to, to try to, you know, help Sharon with her funk, William was there and they formed a friendship that became something more. And, you know, they eventually wed in 1969 and William, cause he's, you know, a big hearted guy, he turns around and, he adopts Victoria, um, and and then in 1970, uh, William and Sharon have two kids of their own, uh, twins, Radford and Michelle. And 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 what's what's also nice about William is it wasn't that he helped make Walt's dream of of building something in Florida, the you know the giant park and resort there happen. He then pivots, and the art school that Walt had set up in california the uh, cal arts uh he served as president of cal arts for 72 to 75 and everything i've heard from family friends and family you know they were a very happy couple uh leading a very charmed life um but you know everything in life isn't a disney movie and no um, I, you know, uh, was Sharon on the board at all at any point? I, well, yeah, she actually was a, a trustee at, at Cal arts. Uh, Sharon, you know, tried to be very, very supportive of, of people in the arts. Um, but you know, she was kind of rocked that, uh, when William decided he didn't want to be married anymore, it was, again, it was the 1970s and mm. Est and lots of people did lots of stupid things, you know, I mean, William would eventually go on to marry five different women. And the irony is he and, and, and Sharon stayed really good friends and, and, and oddly enough, it was the fifth marriage that finally stuck, you know? Um, but you know, here's Sharon who's now the mother of three small children and, you know, and she's, doing her damnedest to do exactly what her dad did and give these kids a normal childhood. Right. Um, And it, that got interesting in 1984 when, as you mentioned, you know, at the top of the segment, Ron Miller got forced out as the head of, you know, the Walt Disney company and Michael Eisner was brought in. And um, Disney family really doesn't like to talk about this, but the day after that happened, Lillian Disney you know uh, who's who's remarried a couple of times of her own at this point by the way mm. shows up at Disneyland and she literally asked to see the general manager and it's like oh, yes Mrs. Disney what, what can we do for you and it's like I, I lent you all sorts of personal items for the display space in the Walt Disney story and it's like yes ma'am you did I want them back um, and she, wow. Yeah, she, you know, they they closed the attraction for the day, and they took every single piece, you know, from she and Walt's life out, and they put it in a truck, and she took it with them or, or with her, and they then what they then do what was kind of interesting, in much the same way as uh, what they've done with that recreation of Walt's office on the Disney lot right now, um, they had to go to private collectors and auction houses. And uh, thank goodness the archive had come through and photographed everything and cataloged everything so they could find replacements, exact duplicates for a a
1: lot of the pieces she pulled. So that that Dave Smith was putting in overtime at that point.
0: (laughs) Very much so. Um, But but the interesting thing is Michael Eisner was enough of a savvy uh, politician, so to speak. To realize, wow, well, okay, we don't need the Disney family mad at us, and so he turns to Sharon and says, "Hey, you know, I know we're new, we're the new guys, but we, we want continuity with the past, and obviously Ron and Diane want nothing to do with the company now. But would you join us as a member as a board of the directors?" And I and Sharon was like, "Sure, you know, I, I I'd love to help, you know, you know help." guide my dad's company into the future. Okay. And um, there's an upside and a downside to this. Um, During Michael Eisner's tenure, um, the the value of the Walt Disney Company increased 30-fold. Yes. Uh, And that meant that the blocks of stock that Sharon had owned, that had made her... Simply wealthy. She was a wealthy woman in California and leading a comfortable life. She went from wealthy to insanely rich. And, you know, and and then in an especially cruel irony, given how she'd lost her dad and then lost her first husband, Robert uh, Brown, Sharon was diagnosed with lung cancer and then succumbed to this condition in February of 1993. And, um, and, then because we're talking about at this point I think it's 400 million dollars um, and and you know that's that's a ridiculous amount of money for but any individual to have control over. so they set up the Sharon uh, M Lund Foundation. and to give the family credit, they have done some some wonderful, <laughs> sometimes crazily generous things. Uh, with this money, um, did, you, did you hear this, ever hear the story about um, the sheet music for Elton John's Candle in the Wind? No. Um, it went up for auction in November of 2016. And Sharon's children, uh, through the foundation, bid on and bought the sheet music which had been signed by Elton John. And again, this is the, you know, the, the original new version of the, the sheet music that, that honored, uh, princess Diana. Diana and they turned, right. they tr- turned around and then donated it to the princess Diana museum. Cause it's like, well, you should have this, you know, wow. and, you know, and again, you know, all of, all of that money, just because this was the right thing to do. Likewise, because Sharon was such a, a huge sponsor of the arts uh, and believed so strongly in CalArts, they turned around and made a massive donation to CalArts. And CalArts, t- just to acknowledge this, turned around and renamed the, the part of the campus that's used to teach uh, the, the students their choreography and the dance arts. Uh, they changed the name of that facility to the Sharon Disney Lund School of Dance. Um, and, you know, and this continued, you know, that, that, for example, the Lund Foundation made a $1 million gift to Ryman Arts, which is that nonprofit organization, which does free arts education to talented teens in Orange County and, and Los Angeles County. And, and of course that was set up to, uh, to honor the memory of Disney legend Herbie Ryman, who <laughs> again was, you know, instrumental in the creation of, of Disneyland. He was the one that, you know, got locked away on the, in the lot with Walt himself over a weekend, uh, you know, to work on the design. And in fact, yes. <laughs> what's a great, you know, what, you know, kind of a great moment is that Walt's there on the lot with his daughters. Uh, and in fact, what they do on Saturdays is, is because, you know, for example, this is, uh, you know, uh, this is where they learn to ride their bikes, Oh, uh, uh, you know, because, again, you know, where they were living and walking away was a very steep hill and busy, very busy traffic wise. So it came time for the girls to learn how to ride their bikes. You know, Walt threw the bikes in the back of the car and drove to, little, drove to the lot on a Saturday. And the girls drove up and, you know, rode up and down, you know, in front of the animation building and around the sound stages and all that. Um, but, yeah, here was Walt, you know, uh, you know. You know, tried to spend Saturday with his daughters, but at the same time, trying to make sure, her sure that Herbie would finish the map in time for Roy to get on a plane Monday morning and fly it out to to New York for, to look for funding. Um, yeah. But I, long story short, it, Sharon, just like her dad, tried to keep her personal life private. And, and honestly, if you're in the Disney parks, you know, I mean, everybody knows Diane, um, you know, and largely because, again, of, of her work with the uh, you know the, the Disney Family Museum whereas Sharon The only place you'll ever Find her acknowledged is in the Magic Kingdom uh, Walt Disney World She's got a window on Main Street uh, And in fact it was installed Just before the park opened In October of 71 and it reads William Sharon Lund Gallery exhibiting only Authentic works of art Genuine antiques collected by Victoria Bradford and Michelle uh, Wow And look, as you and I mentioned a little while ago, again, it would be nice to report that Victoria Bradford and Michelle went on to have happy lives themselves. But again, the burden of having an incredibly famous grandfather, uh, more to the point, having access to more money than any one person could spend in several lifetimes, uh, led to some some pretty tough things. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, it, you know, Matthew and I, out of respect to the family, won't get into that, uh, tonight. Uh, no. if you, if you want to, um, uh, you know, I mean, Victoria died in, in 2002. And if you want to Google the, 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 the lungs, you, you can learn that story. It's,
1: it's not a particularly fun one. No, um, very unfortunate for the, the family that, um, yeah. But things happen unfortunately particularly when money gets involved
0: they do they, they, you know that's again money changes a lot of things so um, so but but again with Sharon I think that the, the most important thing if we're taking the 30,000 foot view here is that um, Walt Disney and his wife Lily did this incredibly generous thing back in uh, Thirty-six. Uh, Going to. Uh, and in fact, <laughs> that's the other thing. I, 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 what I can't wrap myself around my head around. Uh, Matthew is. Think about it. She's born in December of thirty-six. They adopt her two weeks later. This is nineteen thirty-seven. In less than eleven months' time, Walt is finishing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It is the most high-pressure cre you know that they, they, and they're running on him many left and right I mean there's that famous story about they have to go with the you know what the two-thirds done film and show it to you know the, the you know the, the the head of Bank of America you know, to if you get the money to complete the film you know they'll rough pencil tests at that point yeah and it's just and this is that's the exact moment when somebody calls him we have a little girl you can you can you can you know you can have her in two weeks Yes Yes. or no. And, you know, and, and the fact that, and in that incredibly stressful time, you know, financial pressures and time pressures and, and, you know, the potential of your career. Remember,
1: this is all of Hollywood was calling snow white. Disney's folly. Yeah. At any moment, someone's going to come knocking on the door and saying, okay, everyone out. Yeah. We're taking over the, taking this building away from you. And this is the time that the two of them
0: opened their hearts To this little girl that that they they to create the room you know and you know and and that's the thing you know when sharon talks or talked of her childhood it was this wonderful time with these wonderful people you know that, that, that at no time was there any talk of the stress of running the studio it just he was daddy yeah you know and he was a great dad
1: so as much as he was a workaholic, he he everything everything for him was family.
0: That's it exactly.
1: Well, again, you know, that's us
0: remember we, we, we and we to get right down to it, we have Disneyland because on Daddy's Day, when he he carved out time to spend time with his daughters, he you know he felt they they were more deserving the of, of something genuinely special than the merry-go-round in Griffith Park. Yeah, so, but. But anyway, okay, so that's what I know about uh, Sharon Disneyland. I, on the other hand, you reach out to Jim Corcus, and it could get an entirely <laughs> different set of stories. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, give Jim a ring. So
1: We'll we'll see about that. But, okay. I, no, I, I really appreciate this. This, this was fantastic. Uh, a lot more, even more information I was able to pull up. Um, so your research, Jim, is always amazing, uh, the stories <laughs> that you're able to find. Uh, thank you so much also, for creating finding time in your busy schedule to come on my show because you have what do you have to ten, twenty shows now that you you do on the Jim Hill network? <laughs> it's well no. We've got six podcasts. We're talking about
0: getting two more off the ground. If oh. I do that, Nancy is going to stab me in the head. <laughs> so i, I we, we may just keep it six. but uh, but no, as soon as you reached out and talked, you know, suggested this topic, I, I had to do it. It's, it's, it's again, you, you hit upon a part of Disney history that, that people don't really talk about in a weird sort of way. The company also doesn't talk about, and, and it's such a wonderful story. I I wish, you know, it would wind up in the spotlight more often because the Sharon was a fascinating woman and what, you know, uh, what Walt and Lily did should be recognized and celebrated.
1: It's definitely something that's, that's worth celebrating. and, it, the type of company that Disney is should, we would think it'd be on the more the forefront of, you know, not you know, Walt was a great family man, he was adoptive father, He had his biological children. He did this for people and just kind of builds up that character of who Walt really was besides this idea man that just came up with these insane ideas and you know, how he structured and ran that company with such passion. But at well, the know, end of the day, when he, he got home, mm-hmm. he was dad. He was, he was. But the interesting
0: thing is if you, again, if you, you set your filters strong enough, you can come across, you know, uh, you know, for example, think about one of the last films Walt worked on before he died and it was follow me boys. Uh, and, you know, it's a Fred McMurray film, but it, you know, it's one of the very first times that Kurt Russell works for Disney studios. But Kurt Russell is the young boy who's, you know, got in town, who's got a alcoholic father who eventually dies. And it's Fred McMurray's character who opens his home and his heart and adopts this kid, uh, who, you know, then begun, you know, goes on to become a pillar of the community. So it's like, you know, face it, that's a script that came across Walt's desk. And, you know, Keith felt strongly about adoption being a positive thing, and so this is a, a literally a, a you know you know one of the very last things he works on, and it's a strong story you know thread through that film. Well, likewise,
1: um, likewise, same thing on the the animation, and now that you're mentioning that, is the Jungle Book. Yep. Yep. So. Which that that also has to deal with the adoption of Mowgli into this wolf pack, and then same thing, Baloo bringing this child. You know, completely different child, man cub, into his life, and remember and that's the, the very last animated uh, film. Yes,
0: he works on. So it's one of these things where, you know, I mean, again, you know, I I, I I don't want to pretend that that I have any real insight into how Walt was thinking during this period of his life, but that's. That can't be a coincidence, can it? I you know?
1: I don't think so. And um, I mean, Walt, he's, you said that the, the doctors didn't tell him, but somehow Walt did end up knowing because he took that farewell kind of tour through his studio as Mary yeah. Poppins is being produced mm-hmm. and whatnot. It, it I I've heard from you mentioning before that you follow Doctor Who, so do I. It was like David Tennant at the end of his run that he just makes this little go about to say goodbye to everyone that you know he's affected or been part of
0: yeah that that's a great episode that's um you know <laughs> as much as much as I, I enjoyed Matt smith as as doctor who yeah that 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 that's the you know bring the industrial size tissue get strength box of tissue with you that's a that's a great send-off that episode
1: yeah um, i i was i was quite torn apart at that the end of that one mm-hmm. but on the so, other but, hand yeah. th- th- here he is he's at Disney he's voicing Scrooge McDuck so he's
0: still with us you
1: that know? is that is bizarre to me but it it, it, it fits I, that was the one I think the hardest things for me into the new t- um, DuckTales almost a tailspin, but the DuckTales series is getting used to all these new voices mm-hmm. not the animation not the story so just the voices aren't the same and I, and I understand why Mm-hmm. But it, it's I, I still hear Scrooge my duck, and I can't help to think David Tennant in all the works that he's done. No, <laughs> no, 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 no!
0: It's it it, it, it it don't get me wrong. It's an interesting Venn diagram, but on the other hand, only David Tennant. You know that that in fact one of my favorite line readings out of all of the the new Ducktales is, you know the the how. The, you know, you know, Santa Claus is not allowed into, you know, McDuck Manor. And, yes. you know, and it's like, and this is the only David Tennant could put the spin on it. That man knows what he did. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, no, it's just, it's such a delight to have him in this role. And
1: well, he's uh, taking it over and he does so well with it. He, mm-hmm. It just, he's reinvented the character into yeah, that, yeah, it's, you know, scroogey, um, gravelly type, like the character that we saw in Mickey's Christmas Carol.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, no, no disrespect to Alan Young, who did wonderful oh. work for years. And in like fact, Alan, geez, you know, Alan was, was in the actor's home. And you know they they still you know would go to him and bring the recording equipment there. Yeah. Uh, I want to say the very last thing he worked on uh, was one of the brand new Mickey Mouse shorts. You know they they, they you know they only got a line or two of dialogue out of him, but that's Alan was Scrooge you know right up until he couldn't be Ruby Scrooge to in. the end. Yeah. So, so um, but hey you know. Uh, speaking of a delight, it was a, a genuine delight to be invited on in the show tonight, and thank you again oh, for su- I, I, yes, suggesting I this topic. It. No, 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 no. Uh, again, just appreciate the the invitation, and uh, we'll have to do this again
1: sometime. Absolutely, Jim. Let let me um, tell my listeners where can they find and hear you.
0: Oh dear lord. Okay, okay. Uh, let's see. We still We've got, got Okay, uh, got a couple of podcasts. We got Disney Dish with Len Testa about the the theme parks. We got fine-tuning with Drew Taylor. That's when we discuss animation history and current news. Uh, we, I do Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse because I think it's really, really important to pay attention to what the guys up the street are doing. Indeed. That's what Disney did after they o- Universal opened Harry Potter, which is how we got Pandora, the World of Avatar, and Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Anybody tells you anything else, they're kidding you. Nope. uh and speaking of uh star wars uh i do the looking at lucas film uh podcast with dan z uh we also do a marvel theme podcast uh marvelous disney with aaron adams and we're even doing a disney merch podcast uh uh, you know, it's, it's, I want that with Michelle Valladolid, who is my ex-wife and which again, that, that when we were talking about the Sharon <laughs> yep. Disney London, the, the Bill Lund stuff of it and how they got along even after they got divorced, it's like, wow,
1: this turf seems very familiar for some Yo, reason. Yeah. <laughs> but, I've talked to Michelle a few times online. She, she's. She's good on, on, on her back, to, uh, you know, on her. her she, is, she is, she is, she a, is a very colorful,
0: very strongly opinionated, uh, person unto herself, which is, yes. And I'm glad makes, she's doing better. I did same thing here. So, um, but again, uh, thanks for the invite and like pleasure. I said, let's do this again sometime.
1: Absolutely. Thank you very much, Tim. All right. Take care. Once again, I want to thank our special guest, Jim Hill, for joining us this week to talk about Sharon Disney. And like I said, she's kind of like the the missing family member that everyone knew Walt had two daughters. Well, now we know a little bit more about her life. So what kind of influence do you think Sharon actually had on Disney projects? Let us know on the the Facebook group, facebook.com slash Disney Marvels podcast. And the Facebook group is facebook.com/disneymarvels podcast, or on the Twitter, which our handles at Disney Marvels. The Twitter account is at Disney Marvels. You can also email the show with your answers or any suggestions for show topics, or just ideas or anything about the show to Disney Marvels at gmail.com. Again, the email address for the show is Disney Marvels at gmail.com, or you can even leave us a voice message through Anchor, the website, or through the app. I want to thank you for your time. I know how very little time we all have nowadays and how how we struggle, especially now during the holidays, that everything is just even more complicated and just tenfold, it, it, you know, the, the time crunch that we have in our lives. So the fact that you're spending any, you know this bit of time with me means so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, I hate to ask this of you, but if you could just take an extra two minutes Go online, go to iTunes or wherever you're hearing this, and give the show a quick rating. It helps get the word out there. If you can't do that for whatever reason, just tell people about the show. Hey, check out this uh, podcast I listen to. Disney Marvels it reaches on some interesting topics, and the, it's all around. He seems like a nice enough guy. It's worth listening to. You know, let people know. You know, the more like I said in this episode, I've said in the past, Disney believed in a big family. And this is how you know, we're all part of that Disney family so growing the family is just it's, it just comes naturally to us as Disney people uh, and also just while you're at it also consider becoming a uh, premium subscriber to the show you can do this over at acre.fm slash Disney Marvel slash support help keep the lights on help us be able to get stuff to do research to, for the movie reviews uh, and all that type of stuff. Your support goes a long way. And remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Also, as you're playing your next Disney vacation or whatever vacation, Destinations with Character Travel is the Disney earmarked agency specialized in Disney cruises and resort vacations and in the business of making your dreams come true. Made up of past cast members, annual pass holders, lifelong Disney fans, and world travels enthusiasts, they are the ones in the know regarding all aspects of your travel. Whether your travels are taking you to Disney parks, an ocean cruise, or a sunny resort uh, stay, they have the destinations and service level to make your vacation truly a magical one. Find out how they take the stress and hassle out of your vacation so you can enjoy yourself. And that special promotion that I told you about at the beginning: book a five-night package with a four-day hopper with them and get a free—yes, I said free—twenty-five-dollar Disney gift card just by mentioning our podcast, Disney Marvels. That's free money for just saying, "Hey, I listen to Disney Marvels too," because they listen. Why should you know? Why shouldn't you? And they'll give you money just for going on vacation and saying you listen to a cool podcast. How crazy is that? Contact them now. www.destinationswithcharacter.com Website again is www.destinationswithcharacter.com Or email them. Info at destinationswithcharacter.com Their email address is info at destinationswithcharacter.com Whatever you're facing out there nowadays, no matter how difficult, how impossible, how stressful things may seem particularly now don't give up really it is it is worth it to fight even when it doesn't seem like it as tired as you are as ready as you may be to give up feel inside look look inside yourself don't worry about the other people look inside you because there is a light in there There is a light beyond the darkness, beyond the doubt. There's a light that is strong and ready to burn and let it burn bright through you because you are worth it. You are amazing, you are beautiful, and you are worth it. And let everyone else know that. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give in. Be your own hero. Stand up and keep moving forward. I'd like to end this show with a quote from Walt Disney himself. Appropriately yeah. so. The idea of Disneyland came about when my daughters were very young. And Saturday was always Daddy's Day with the two daughters. So we started out and tried to go some places. You know, different things. And I'd take them to a merry-go-round and I took them to different places, and I'd sit while they rode the merry-go-round and did all these things. Sit on a bench, you know, eating peanuts. I felt there should be something built where parents and children could have fun together. So that's how Disneyland started. Well, it took many years. It was a period of maybe 15 years developing. I started with many ideas threw them away started all over again and eventually it evolved into what you see today at Disneyland but it all started from a daddy with two daughters wondering where he could take them where he could have a little fun with them too that's with Walt Disney speaking of Diane and Sharon thank you again everyone for listening thank you Jim again for joining us